Life Audio. Hello and welcome to Kainaz Project. I'm Dale. I am Tamara. And we're here to help you tackle ancient truths in everyday settings. Well, for the past number of months, Tamara and I, we've gotten to be a part of something really exciting and special. And we are part of a team of people who are helping to launch a brand new church in a city called Redlands, California. And Redlands is about uh, 30 miles or so east of where, northeast of where we currently are in beautiful downtown Corona, California. So sometime next year, the uh, Kainos Project World Headquarters is going to be moving and the Chamberlain family along with it. And we're going to be a part of the Redlands community. Yeah, this is something that we've been meeting for several months now. We're incredibly excited to see the the fruit of the work that we've put into and um, just the amazing team that we're connected with and the idea of moving out of our beautiful home was a little scary for me at first um, and something I actually didn't want to do but I think it's become pretty clear that uh, this is where God is uh, putting our family and allowing us to be part of this team to plant a brand new church which you might be wondering, why do you need to plant a brand new church? Aren't there plenty of churches in your area in Redlands? And so we're excited to actually talk about the reason church planting matters, the reason we should be doing it uh, in general, and where do we even see a biblical case for church planting and the ongoing work of church planting. Right, because you need a reason to to do this because it's it's a major undertaking. I mean, chiefly for uh, our pastor who is, you know, has already moved to Redlands and is, you know, out there trying to get in the community, find a place for us to meet. Like he's been, <laughs> I think he's looked at just about every building in Redlands. And that will hold a, that group, will of hold a group of people. Yeah. He's still working. So like, it's like, you know, obviously it's scary just like, you know, just going out and you don't know if this thing is going to work. And so you need really good reasons to do this. And um, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, uh, Bible believing, Jesus loving Christians, they, they don't really see the vision for it because, you know, it's never been articulated. And like when you see churches, you know, all right. over the place on every corner, it seems like. Um, do you think like why why do we need new churches? Why do we need to still keep doing that? Like it's so hard and it costs so much money and it takes so much blood, sweat, and tears. Is that a thing that we really need to be doing? Right. Or is there it, enough churches already? Yeah, isn't it already done? Can't people just show up to the church that's already in that community? Like, are you really doing anything different with church? Um, it's not like you now have this cutting edge church that you're doing something that no one's ever done in the entire history of the church. Right, that would be bad. Which that, that's called heresy. Yeah, that's a reason to not <laughs> attend. So, if you're not doing you're not innovating church, you're not doing anything new that hasn't been done over the last, you know, 2000 years, then what is the purpose of planting a new church when there's churches around you that you can see like with your own eyes? Yeah, and that's a legitimate question, and we feel that there are legitimate answers that yes. we want to talk about today, but we'll dive into that in just a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. 
Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So we have joined what is called a church plant launch team. We're going to be packing our bags and we're going to a new city just east of us. We're not moving across the country or anything like that, but we're moving, you know, a considerable still, distance. We're still moving. In and, California yeah. traffic, people who aren't from Southern California, you mm-hmm. don't understand 30 miles is a long way in terms of like traffic world. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to be moving. We're going to be in this new city and um, we're going to be part of this new church. Um, how did that come about? How did it come about that we're going to be moving? Yeah, from our personal yeah. life. So, Because <laughs> it wasn't a sure thing. It wasn't, no, and maybe that was my fault. Um, but yeah, we were part of a church, and they were sending out another church. Uh, and Dale, you were familiar already with the pastor of this new church that we're part of. Um, mm-hmm. You had, you know, friendship already built. I did not have any kind of connections to the team that was going to be launching a new church. I was excited about it. I was for it. We were excited to support it in whatever ways we could. But in my mind, that absolutely did not mean us moving and being part of it. Like maybe it meant supporting them financially. Maybe it meant showing up to events. <laughs> you said, maybe, it you meant... said maybe I'll write a check. <laughs> <laughs> Give and my I, moral support. You know, I'll send you 20 bucks a month if, if we can afford that. But the idea of actually being part of that team never crossed my mind because we already have a house. We're already, you know, secure in where we are. We've already built our lives here in this location. Um, I have family close by, which is nice on many levels, but having young kids, that's absolutely critical. So there was just a lot of reasons in my mind um, that made sense for us to just stay where we are. It didn't mean I was against it, but it just wasn't, I wasn't for it until my delightful husband, uh, Dale came and just like dropped a bomb. And I remember exactly where I was sitting when you like, so I had lunch today. I was like, oh, did you? That's great. And I knew the fact that he was going to give me a lot of details about his his lunch meeting meant something was coming my way. Um, And that's when you had just said like, hey, I was asked, would we consider being part of this? Um, Did I immediately say no or did I say I would think about it? I believe your exact words were absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I don't remember it that way. I kind of remember <laughs> thinking, I'll pray about it. Like I, I was hadn't just even really... finished <laughs> exhaling, absolutely not. <laughs> I think it's because as soon as I knew who you were meeting with, I knew you were meeting with the pastor that was launching this new church. Um, and you were like, so we were chatting. And I was like, nope, no way. Um, yeah, so at the end of our conversation, we decided we would at least be open to it. We would pray about it. We would consider it. Um, And I guess I'm not quite sure how we've landed here to being like fully in, agreeing to moving um, and all of the dynamics that that's going to change in our life. um, Other than probably the fact that it's 
it's God. And I know a lot of people say that when life decisions happen and then like hindsight 20 years later, like, was that God? I don't know. But I would say there have been just so many, um, the confirmations of the fact that we are supposed to be part of this. And a huge element of those confirmations is just the team that we're part of. I absolutely love the team that we are connected with. There's so many neat details and dynamics of what God has done with this team, with this church that he's already created. We haven't officially launched yet. We had a preview service. That we was had a preview cool. service, but the reality is we already have these group of families that have been meeting for months now. Like the church is already born. Like God has already birthed this church. And I just continue to see ways that God is showing up and showing me that not only has he called this church to, you know, exist in Redlands and to be planted in Redlands. And I love the team that we're with, the leadership team, the pastor, his wife and his family, like there's just so many pieces of it that um, just continue to make sense over and over again. Uh, I think that's the affirmation for me why we're doing it. But obviously, there's a bigger reason. Like, we're not just going to a community for the fun of it. Um, like, we believe in the church and we believe in what God is calling the church to do. And we are excited to be under the leadership of the pastor that's planting this church. Yeah. It's been really exciting. It's funny when they announced that this church was going to be uh, planted and who was going to be planting it when they announced that at our church. Uh, and um, that pastor, he started kind of sharing his vision. I was like, wow, that's something I would really like to be a part of. And I was like, mm, but we literally just like moved into our house, I don't know, a year prior. Right. Uh, and we had like kind of just were like, yes, we're settled this is where we're going to be. So I was like, yeah, that sounds really compelling. But like in my mind, I was like, all right, but I'm not going to pursue it. One, unless he directly asks me to join the team. And two, if it uh, only if it feels like Tamara's like actually like on board and not like, if you say we should, then we will. And so the first thing happened where he had coffee with the pastor and said, you know, I was thinking about you and I'm just going to, I don't want to press you, but I just want to put it out there. Would you want to be a part of the team? I'm like, okay, well, well, that's just the first requirement. So like, we'll see what happens. (laughs) And then I come home and before I even finish the sentence, uh, Tamara says, absolutely not. Uh, but then I think within like 48 hours, you were sending me like, uh, listings of homes, uh, in Redlands. No, it wasn't that quick. We ended up going. It was by the end of the weekend, I think. Well, we ended up going to, um, what was it their like vision night or yeah yeah uh, mm-hmm. where he uh the pastor and his wife and just other pastors even which was really nice that he's so connected um and already like sharing community and accountability with other pastors of other churches like they came up and started talking about what this church would be what it what it means um even just the great need among uh the demographics within this city um a, a large amount of people that are unreached that don't have a church uh within a certain amount of radius of their home like it just all kind of made sense at that um that vision night i guess you can call it a vision night uh, I think that is what became so compelling to me was I was like, wow, there, there's a need here. Um, and the pastor and the leadership team have thought so intentionally about how do we bring the gospel to this area 
and not in a way that we want to compete with any other churches, but how do we even come alongside those other churches and truly bring the kingdom of God to this city with fellow churches? And that just stirred my heart. And I thought, all right, if my husband's already asking for me to consider this, um, like it's going to be hard for my family and even for the church plant, like we'll get into details later about how difficult it is to church plant. But even though it's going to be hard, like there's a need and God calls us over and over again to, uh, even just lay down our own desires, lay down our own wants and, and what we envision our lives to look like for the sake of his kingdom. And it became clear that this was something not only, were we excited to go into, but that somehow God would use the uniqueness of, uh, of us, Dale and Tamara, of our children, of all our of our background, our children are very unique, but you know, <laughs> like God is going to position us in such a way that is beneficial for his church. And not that we, um, need to be anywhere to be, uh, like in a certain position, but our desire is genuinely like, Lord, how can you use us in this, um, even though we are perfectly content exactly where we are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to get into not just our personal why, but the big why of why would somebody plant a church uh, when it seems like there's you know churches out there already. So I wanted to kind of start from the, I guess, biblical theological perspective and then move into some of the more practical yeah. uh, outworkings of that. So it really begins with the Great Commission where Jesus, he after he um, was uh, crucified and he resurrected, uh, right before he ascended into heaven, he gathered all his followers uh, and he said this to them in Matthew twenty eight eighteen through 20. This is probably a very familiar passage to uh, mm-hmm. many people. Uh, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's, you know, the foundational mission that Jesus gave the church. And really, in many ways, like that's the foundational definition of what it means to be the church, that we love God, love each other, and we make disciples, we baptize them, and we teach them everything Jesus commanded until he comes back. And And we obey those things, too. Like, that's also part of it. I mean, to the extent of our ability. Exactly. Yeah, and so you know that's that's just what church is. It's uh, it's that discipleship process. And I think too often is there. Tamara, did you ever have a, a period in your life where you uh, kind of hated these verses because they were used by people who are really gifted evangelists to uh, like bully people who are like not really gifted evangelists? Um, I don't know if they were used to bully, but I felt oftentimes like I was trying to be like people were trying to call me out for doing something I wasn't doing and maybe using these verses to like shame me I guess bullying yeah okay never mind (laughs) yeah it was like people would use these verses to like so every time you're on an airplane you by the time you touch down you need to give a gospel presentation to the two people in your row and like you know that like that I don't think that that's what Jesus is after here but 
It is to say that the group project of the church is to evangelize, make disciples, grow them into maturity, and multiply them. Like, that's that's the whole bag. Like, that's what he left us here uh, to do. And so um, church planting, planting new churches, is really one of the most powerful and effective ways uh, to be faithful to that calling collectively as the church. Um, and there are a couple of reasons— uh, for that and why we should really be enthusiastic about planting new churches. And the first one is kind of an alarming stat, and that is that uh, more churches in America close every year than are planted. So uh, that's, um, I think it was 2019 Lifeway did some research. I wasn't able to find any uh, newer data, but because of the pandemic, I imagine uh, that these stats are even worse now because there were a lot of closures uh, during COVID right. and not a lot of you know launches. Yeah. Uh, but in 2019, as of 2019, in America, there are more churches that close every year, shut down forever, than uh, new ones are planted, meaning that there, there are less churches than there were before every single year. So o- older congregations are dying off and there's not enough new ones to take their place. And so in 2019, 3,000 churches were planted in America, which that's great. That sounds fantastic. Uh, until you look at the fact that there are 4,500 churches that closed that very same year. So in that one year, even though 3,000 churches were planted, we lost 1,500 churches on the whole. Right. And that trend, uh, it doesn't seem to be slowing down, especially with the pandemic. We actually, our church that is launching us for this church plant, uh, they sent out a, a previous team at the end. I think they commissioned them at the end of 2019. And so, like, they were out there. They think they were, like, planning on, like, launching in the fall of 2020. <laughs> and they were planning. They had their, their launch team. They're, like, out in the community. They're doing all these things. And then March 2020 hit, and they just – they had their notes of the grindstone just, like, trying to figure out, like, how do you – launch a church right. in the middle of a pandemic and so they ended up like launching literally online and um planting a church is really hard uh planting a church in the middle of a pandemic is like near impossible uh and somehow they managed to do it and now they they have a building they're they're running two services like they're reaching their community and um but it's been a lot of blood sweat and tears and so like in 2020 like no one is like thinking about planting a church even less so than they were before right uh, and now the pandemic's kind of let up um the, the obviously that isn't um a, a factor but i think the the overall inertia of that uh the, it accelerated the trend that church planting is not keeping with the rate of attrition in terms of churches closing and so uh, that's something that's like really concerning like if there are less churches in the community there are less uh opportunities for someone to encounter somebody from church and uh, to encounter Jesus through the church in the community if there are simply less churches there. Um, and so church planting is obviously addressing that that um, that concern. But when you look at like, well, should we re- do we need, really need to like plant new churches or do we just need to keep the old ones from dying? Uh, I think it's both and. Right. Uh, but yeah. there's... There's, if we're trying to reach the our communities, our regions, our states, our nation for Jesus, uh, really the lion's share of the focus, I think, should definitely be in uh, planting new churches. 
Uh, and there's one very specific reason for that. And that's because new churches are the best method of evangelism. We talked about a lot of really bad methods of evangelism on this podcast, uh, from gospel tracts to um, the Lifehouse skit oh, to yeah. Hell Houses. Mm-hmm. Um, but church planting is actually th- one of, if not the best, one of the best uh, methods of evangelism in a community. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that, but we'll do that in just a moment. So as we said, planting new churches is like the best method of evangelism. That sounds like a bold claim, but it's true. Uh, So there's a considerable amount of research, and we'll link to some stuff in the show notes, to suggest that new churches, new church plants, uh, are far more effective at reaching non-Christians in the community than are established churches. In fact, the longer your church is in existence, uh, the less likely it is for you to be effective at getting new members who weren't already members of a different church, meaning that they were already Christians, but they just came to your church. It's much less likely that you're going to get people who never met Jesus before. It's going to be far less potent in terms of like your overall numbers, the longer that you exist. Uh, so, um, and I think that the stats that I've heard is that within the first five years, uh, you've reached just the 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 lion's share of the the new people who don't know Jesus that you're going to reach and your church may continue to grow and your church may continue to reach non-Christians uh, a, a considerable number of them but it's going to be far less potent it's going to be far less proportionally it's going to be a lot bulkier it's going to be a lot slower uh it's going to be um yeah just not as catalytic as in those first 5 years Right, and that's not to say that the focus of um, church in general is purely for new converts. The goal of the church is evangelism and also discipleship. So not only do you want to evangelize to the unchurched and like share Jesus with them, but then once they come to this place of a saving faith in Christ, like your job is to disciple them. Right. And... I think too often we want to pit those things like against one another. Like, are you evangelizing or are you discipling? It's like, no, both. We should desire to do both. And the exciting thing about church planting in general is, like you said, you're more likely to see um, non-Christians walk through your doors if you just planted and it's within the first five years. Um, So there's a reason to continue to plant more churches for the sake of continuing to bring more people in. And that's not to say, well, then once that five years passes, great, who cares about that church anymore? No, there's a very important work to be done. There are still new people coming in that have never met Jesus before, but there's a great responsibility to disciple those members within your congregation because in that verse that you read, it was to share the truth and also to obey it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge part, I think of the issue in American Christianity is we have a whole lot of people that know the truth, um, but they're not necessarily walking in the truth. And that is because there's that aspect of a shortcoming of discipleship. Like how do we disciple the people within our communities? Um, So I just wanted to like, share the thought that the focus is not just 
let's plant new churches so that way we can bring in a ton of non-church people and then we don't actually care about that church anymore. Right, yeah. And I think uh, a lot of times in uh, our culture, our church culture, we tend to think of evangelism and discipleship as two separate things because there's been such an emphasis on like the raised hand decision type deal. Um, But really, um, when you look at the New Testament, the way Jesus called people, uh, just the way discipleship, we see instances of it happening. Yeah, there's a, a conversion moment, but uh, evangelism and discipleship are, is much more of a continuum than it is like a this, then that type of thing. Yeah, it's not. Here is my stage of when I was um, being evangelized to. And then at this date, I was saved. And now and then the door I'm closes a disciple. behind you. And yeah, right. And now I'm into my discipleship era, right? It's it's we like it to be that linear and we like it to look like it's on a timeline of, you know, when was your oh gosh, what what was the phrase that used to be your spiritual your birthday spiritual or something? Birthday. Um, I remember being asked, I was like, I have no idea because you said I, I forgot I didn't get my spiritual birth certificate. The didn't keep the record keeping. Oh, that's probably a real thing, huh? Like you go, <laughs> Maybe people get a spiritual I birth certificate. I bet you they do. Like they, they. I won't. Uh, a lot of people will do like their baptism certificate. You can hmm. use that as a date, I guess. Yeah, I'm not really sure why we need dates, anyways. But uh, all that to be said, it's not as much of a timeline as a start and an end, and a start and an end. Um, it's all kind of happening at the same time, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit that's moving through these things, and. That was all. I guess I wanted to uh, affirm that what you were saying is true and that too often we try and separate those things instead of understanding they work together because that's how God works. Yeah. But all that to be said, like um, new church plants, like they are an evangelism machine. Uh, If for no other reason, then uh, if you don't evangelize, you don't have a church. I think uh, missiologist Ed Stetzer, he's often said that the job of a church planter is to evangelize a church into existence. Mm. And so that that's kind of like and so that's why the churches that do survive that first five years, because actually most church plants fail within the first five years, uh, the ones that survive, uh, they've reached a lot of people who are unchurched because you know, they understood the assignment and they also, you know, in many ways were desperate, but they're also lean, you're catalytic, you're dynamic, you're making connections that weren't, you know, made before. And so in that first five years, you have this really potent uh, evangelism machine. And then a lot of times, once you kind of get more established, you get a little bit bulkier, you have a lot more systems, you have a lot more people, um, that kind of uh, potency like that evangelistic potency just naturally tends to go down. And that isn't necessarily like a, um, that's not like a condemnation, like because churches who can be really outward focused, but the fact of the matter is like after that certain period of time, you just, you just get older, you know, it just, you, Mm. you just become less potent in, in that regard. And, um, that's why church planning is so important because once you're less potent, yes, of course, you're going to continue to do outreach. You're going to continue to be um, discipling your people to be speaking to their friends, their coworkers, their neighbors to invite them. Um, but the fact of the matter is it's just a lot slower because you're just a little bit of an older thing uh, and uh, launching out from yourself new church plants is going to be a bigger net win for the the, the whole church if we can continue to do that, like that's the broad uh, vision 
that that's how we're going to do the Great Commission. Right, because a church plant, the goal of it is to reach new people anyways. Your desire of a church plant shouldn't be, great, I'm going to go plant this church in this community, and I'm going to um, hopefully sound interesting enough to a lot of other people that attend a lot of other churches. Um, The goal is not to work against the other churches in your community, but actually to work with them to reach more people for Christ that have never heard of Christ before or wouldn't consider themselves a follower of Christ. Um, I think maybe there's an element of the excitement of growing a new church. And in the end, you just realized this church is full of a bunch of people that came from other churches. And that should never be the goal of a church plant is how do I get all these other Christians to now join my club instead of staying at their own churches. I mean, you always welcome the people that came from other churches. Absolutely. But like, but that's and you true. want to disciple them, but like if but that's, net, not net, why like that's all you're getting, like that's you're, you're not uh, achieving the mission that you set out to do. Because what then was there really a church needed in that area? Hmm. If they were already all attending other churches in that area. I mean, maybe geographically, you know, if they need, wanted to be closer, I guess. Yeah, but that that doesn't make sense to me and if for the sake of the mission of Christ. Like, that all of a sudden mm. sounds like we're operating in a business. Like, just for the sake of having a Starbucks on every corner. Right. No, like, that's not why we want churches. Is just so that way it's a closer drive for you. <laughs> we right. want churches because our whole goal is to reach people for Christ, not to make it convenient for you to travel to church. Right. I mean, not that, that we don't want it to be convenient, but yeah. I just, I can't see a reason if there was absolutely no need, if every person in the city attended a church but had to drive 15 minutes to say, well, let's plant a new church there because we want their drive to be shorter. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't, you might do that. No. But not because you want their drive to be shorter. But it's because you already have critical mass of leaders there no, well, that that's can different. reach that area. Yeah, that's different. Okay. You know, we're... You know, it just makes sense to that. That would be the next place that you would move towards. Uh, but really, it's it's this is like how like the human race works uh, in procreation. Like if mm-hmm. everybody stopped mm-hmm. having babies, like the human race would go it's extinct. Um, but if we all just have two, three babies each family, then like we grow exponentially. And a lot of people have different feelings if you're an environmentalist or uh, a creationist. <laughs> You have a different side of uh, the the moral side of how you feel about that. But that's just the, the fact of the matter is that if, you know, families have babies, we will multiply, not just increase, but like exponentially multiply the number of people there are. And like, so like, I'm only going to do so much in my life before I get old and die. But I have three sons who are hopefully going to long outlive me and they're going to do things that I never could have imagined. And if each of them has, you know, at least a couple of kids, like the amount of of things that are being accomplished through them is multiplied. And so in the same way, um, if we're going to reach more people, then churches need to have babies like like babies, plural. Mm. Uh, And then those babies need to have babies. Uh, and we need people who are willing to go, go and be those babies, I guess. On, on the, like this is, this the metaphor really got the, meta, the metaphor started strong, and then it got a little too specific. Yes, uh, I was like, okay, now. But that's how I we think multiply. we're done. That's how, like that's how multiplication works. <laughs> Thank you for the math lesson, too. <laughs> 
No, I, I mean, what you say is true, right? Like, we, even as a well-established church, your desire should be to church plant as well. Like, there should be new churches coming out of your congregation uh, for the sake of evangelism and also for the sake of that community and reaching um, your direct radius for Christ. But then you're going further and further out until, like, eventually maybe you literally are planting churches in other parts of the world. Um, and, and you see churches doing that. I was a part of another church that had planted a church in Mexico. Um, so you definitely see that happening. But as we're desiring to fulfill the Great Commission, we can't lose sight of the importance of one way that we do that on a larger level is to continue to plant churches. So it doesn't mean you as a member of the church just continue to leave and go and do a ton of church plants and never stay established within your community. But that church that you're connected with should have the desire um, and it really should be on the forefront to continue to plant more churches. Right. To plant, not just to plant churches, but to plant churches that plant churches. Yes. Like that. Um, right. Like you're not the only church sending out. Like then you're, you're the church you sent out should try and send churches out. Yes. Yeah, there's a there's a phrase that like some church planters use that they say that a church plant should be born already pregnant. Oh, okay. meaning we're, that like from really the start there is metaphor. a plan. I'm not the one we're that came really up with the, metaphor. with the metaphor. I'm just saying, <laughs> but it makes sense. Like the by, when it's even from the moment it begins, there's already a plan for it to multiply, uh, and it's not just you know okay we're here. We just got to survive the first five years, and then if we can do that and then find a building and then get some budget, like we'll be good to go. But it's already with the vision of like, okay, now we're going to send, and Mm -hmm. we already have uh, that that plan there. And this makes sense a lot within the changing landscape of America, right? Like everyone's always talking about how there's a lot of talk about what's happening in America with Christians. But if if we truly believe that there are more unchurched people in America than there was 10 years ago, then the need for more churches, the need for church plants is all the more pressing than it was before. And it should be something, again, even if your church has been around for 50 years, they should be thinking about church planting as the dynamics of America are shifting. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned even um, before talking about the different impulses and why you want to plant a church and like how you go about doing that. There are a lot of churches that aren't necessarily uh, planted, but founded uh, out of the uh, angst of wanting to differentiate from whatever their previous church was, whether there was like a split, whether it's like you felt like um, the church wasn't political enough or it was too political or it wasn't political in the right ways or um, you just have a lot of angst uh, about that in terms of like planting or it's like not really like like the mission of Jesus is like 1B and like 1A is like I'm excited about like this new church model of like right. doing it. Um, and there was something uh, at that first vision night that our pastor said that stood out to both of us. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but he's talking about like people who wanted to join the launch team. And he said, basically, if you want to join, uh, the launch team, basically out of spite or because you're frustrated, uh, with where, wherever you're at, they said, he said, that's not going to be a good fit. 
And um, I felt like that was like a really important thing for him to say. But Tamara, like, did that strike you the same way? And like, what do you think is like the balance between like honoring what came before having a, a, a kind of an entrepreneurial mission focus, um, doing something new, but not doing it to spite wherever you came from? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I think that's important to maintain a balance. I think the balance is to really discern your own heart. Because when he said that, I immediately thought, okay, where are we? What would our motivation of being part of this church plant come from? Is it that we feel like, okay, we're younger-ish um, and we're excited about doing something new? Uh, because I don't see the spirit in that. I don't see the Holy Spirit working through. You're just thrilled about doing, doing something new. The reality is there's so many elements about the church that sh- there should be nothing new about it. Um, it should continue to maintain what right, like Christ has established the church to the be. The Bible, communion, baptism. Yes. Holiness, evangelism. Like it's all the same stuff. Right. And so you're not reinventing the wheel in what the church is and the foundation of the church again, because then that's heresy. So there's only so much new that can be happening within the church, uh, before you are no longer the church. Right. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure as he had said that, and as we were considering this and thinking about it, like the balance really is for you to understand your own motivation Is it that you're excited to go and show up and push your own agenda and do things the way that you wish the church you're part of should have done them? Um, I think that's a terrible motivation because that has nothing to do with reaching people. That has everything to do with you running things the way you want to run them. And I imagine there are a lot of churches that are planted that way, right? They're they're just excited about running things the way that they want to run them. Um, And so... There is an element of taking uh, what has um, been working within whatever church you came from um, that you want to bring into this new church, but also understanding what is happening in the community that you're in, uh, what is happening within the next generation, um, because that's another part of it. If we only want to reach our own current generation, then in the same way, we're going to die off, right? Right. Like if you're you have zero desire to reach the next generation and it can't only be next generation focused because there are plenty of unchurched people that are from previous generations. So I think the balance really is praying through it and considering um, what is the uh, demeanor of your own excitement to go in? Is it that you're trying to fulfill your own needs through this church plant? Um, or do you genuinely have a heart for other people and for the gospel to be made known within uh, whatever area you're going to? Because I wouldn't even consider this new city our community. I mean, it is sort of, but not exactly. Um, but what has me so excited about going is I can see the need for a church within the community that we're going to. Um, and I have no idea how God is going to use us in that process, but I am willing to be whatever kind of hands and feet I'm supposed to be. Chief and, chair setter upper. Yeah. No, Dude, really. At our preview service, I set up the chairs so good. Yes. Dale was. They were straight. He was in charge of setting up chairs. And there's a piece <laughs> of it that like 
it's it's very practical thing that just no needs seriously to be like done. you need chairs you need baskets to put the connection cards in you need coffee yeah. there's you need operations easy ups. that you need, need to happen a, well yeah. a, a children's space like it's just like a lot of operational yeah. there's things. there's a lot of logistical things that need to happen that absolutely we're praying for the holy spirit to um to show up right <laughs> i mean he's present everywhere but lord would you be in this space would you be moving among hearts would you uh put our own human ambitions aside and would it be you that shows is shown through and something that um i love about our church i guess we're just going to continue to say what we love and that's a good thing because if we didn't love it like why are we part of it but one of the things that's just said over and over and is just kind of part of the culture of our church is that we want people to be more impressed with Jesus than with ourselves. And we want them to walk away with a greater curiosity and sense of wonder about who Jesus is than who we are. Like, I don't want anybody to leave our church thinking, wow, Tamara, like, wow, she's really great at this and that. Like, I would love to attend because she's so great. No, like, forget. I hope you forget who you saw up there, right? Like, I hope you forget my name, but actually just show up and think, who they were talking about is who I want to get to know more. And that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Maybe. Yeah. And I think it, it goes back to uh, the verse that uh, we've kind of set at the foundations of Kairos project, which is Jesus saying, behold, I'm making all things new. Mm. Like the church that we came from, uh, we love the church that we came from uh, really effective at reaching the the city that it's in. And um, the vision statement for that church is to be living proof of a loving God. And the vision statement for our new church is to give people a renewed picture of Jesus and his church. And when you think about it, you're like, well, that's kind of like, basically the same, the same thing <laughs> um but really like the um the strategies the blueprint the vibe um the vibe <laughs> it's completely fresh it's completely new and it's new in ways that make me excited to be a part of it mm-hmm. uh, that i feel like really resonate with how i want to do things and how i want to be you know a part of the movement to do that yeah. so i think there's that yeah there's that balance of like um you owe you know everything to the people that sent you and the the people that formed you um, but, um, you also are empowered by the Holy spirit to forge a new path forward, which is the same path, but it's Jesus making all things new. Yeah. And so if it, you know, there, there's an innovation that happens even around a 2000 year old mission and just how we carry it out, yeah. you know, in the 21st century. And I think innovation has to happen. A lot of things we've discussed on this podcast to have, I mean, even just talking about evangelism, right? You kind of like joked about like tracks are a bad way. At one point, tracks worked. At one point, that was a very effective way to reach people for Christ. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work anymore because yeah, the time have, is like 40, shifted, 50 years past. Right? Yeah. So innovation is necessary within the church because as you're trying to reach new people, you're trying to reach people that view the world in a way they didn't view it 50 years ago. And so you need to think about, wow, how do I share Jesus with them in a way that they're actually going to care, that they're, it's going to pique their interest in some small way? If you pass a, you know, I don't know, like a Gen Z a track, like they're probably going to just put it in the trash and have no idea what to do with it because you're not reaching them in a way that they're going to receive it. It's not to say that you change the message. That very same message that was in that track probably is going to hold true just in a different form. So there needs to be innovation within the church. And one of the most natural ways for innovation to happen is through something new, 
a church plant. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of another reason that church plant is so important is as you're thinking of creating this new thing, this new church, innovation is so natural in that process. Um, to to look at your previous church and then just take an exact mirror of it and, and stamp it onto this new church would be to lose out on an opportunity of how do we reach this specific area this specific generation and the generations that came before in a way that um, is actually doing the work of Christ. Right. So join our team. That's all we've been trying to <laughs> yeah, say. Exactly. Move to Redlands. Now, <laughs> not everybody is going to be called to uh, be on a church plant launch team. Um, and really, honestly, there's there's no guilt in that. There's no shame in that for you. Um, but, you know, it might be you at some point, so I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. Uh, I mean, but I will say, like, for us, like, it's my expectation like, that we're doing this just the once. Uh, unless <laughs> unless God, you know, changes something. Well, I did not have an my, expectation to even do it once. I so know. Here we so, are. like, there's a caveat uh, on that. But, like, it's my thought that, you know, we're going to do this once. And, like, after you do it once, you're like, yay, I did it. But then, like, would, like, for the rest of your life, you're not carrying out the Great Commission. No, I just think your relationship to the group project of the um, the Big C Church. Obviously, personal evangelism is going to be a, a a constant part of your being a part of that. But I think as you move positionally from being, say, on a launch team or your you know to being in an established church, like just your relationship to the group project of how do we collectively strategically carry this out, your role within that team shifts to a different place. Yes. And the desire should be that regardless of whether you think you're um, supposed to be part of a launch team or not, that you just champion and cheer on church plants. Like you find a way to support those things, even if, again, you're not the one that's going to be leaving and uh, moving and being part of this new team. Like you can continue to be in the community you're in, serving and where you're at, but seeing uh, when a new church is planted, uh, like you're supportive of that and and not the one who's like uh, bashing it and trying to say like, why are we doing this? Why are we putting our efforts this way? Like, let's just keep pouring into our, our own our church. Our money, like that's the big no, one. No, really, our money too. Yeah, like why are that's we sending- a, It's expensive to send out a church. Well, that and even why are we sending our, you know, quote unquote best, best people. people. Yeah. Like there's just so many details that kind of fall into having a very negative view of church planting, unfortunately. But my encouragement um, is that we wouldn't be those people that are negative, even if we're not going to be directly part of that team. But that as um, people on the other end of sending out the church, we can be supportive in every way we possibly can think of being supportive of that. Yeah. And I think there's some really, really practical ways you can go about doing that. Just a couple of things like you can just ask your pastor or your elders or whatever leadership team at your church like, hey, are we supporting any church plants? Are we uh, supporting any church plant networks? There's a lot of networks that help give resourcing and training to church planners. Uh, is that something we're going to consider? Would we ever think of sending a church plant? Like, is there a leader here that maybe we can find, we can raise up? Is that something that's on our radar? Like maybe even just like starting that conversation and maybe that conversation has already started without you and you just need to get on board with, you know, whatever is happening. Uh, you can also give financially to uh, church plants, specific church plants, uh, even like church plant networks. 
um, it's expensive, like we said, to to plan a church because like you really caught up on the money, aren't you? <laughs> no, it is. Like it's crazy because like our church is trying to find a permanent spot, and uh, you know we're in Southern California, so everything's expensive. But like the the per week price just to rent a space is. Right astronomical uh even like when we're being like frugal and we're like negotiating and like all these kinds of things um so and if you're trying to plan a church that is uh full of people who weren't previously church you're not going to come in and start tithing day one uh and so there's a lot of outside support that's needed to get that off the ground and so uh honestly that's huge and then also uh just you know moral support and prayer if you know a church planter, pray for them. If you don't, you can pray for our church or you can just pray for our church anyways. Uh, but there's all <laughs> these ways that um, you can be a part of uh, supporting that because it really does take just this massive uh, amount of support from a, a, a massive amount of people to launch a small new church plant. Right. And so you can be a part of that that army as well. Uh, and so, yeah, like the Great Commission is something that it's it's meant to involve every believer and not every believer will have the same role. Uh, but with that being said, uh, when it comes to church planting as as this way of moving that forward, um, there's definitely a place that each of us can find in in that larger effort. Thanks for listening to the Kainos Project podcast. Thank you also to our partners at Life Audio. Visit lifeaudio.com to find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in the network, including shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today, consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. And be sure to visit our website, kainosproject.com, for more helpful resources. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.